You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for... This is for the Raza. Reform Raza. <laughs> my name is Martin Velasquez, aka Martin V. Firme, alongside with my brothers. This is Justin Corona. And what up, everybody? This is Brother Vic. <laughs> and we are now back in the mix after an unexpected pause, but what can you say? We got life to deal with. <laughs> Don't forget to hit us up at reformrasa at gmail.com or reformrasa.com with any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes. You can hit us up right there. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. Send us a review, five-star review. Leave a comment. We're on Spotify, Apple, any podcast streaming platform. You can find us right there. You can also leave us a voicemail. You can find that link over on our website at reformrasa.com. You can leave us a lovely voicemail where we may feature it in an episode. Um, or if you guys have any suggestions for any topics for any upcoming episodes. Also, don't forget that that five star. Not that four star, not the three star, the five star button. Yeah. And if you leave a voicemail, we'll play it on the air. So if you got a question, a comment, whatever it is, something you were edified by, a rebuke. Uh, we'll play it on air and your voice will be heard by the millions of people around the world listening to this podcast. <laughs> Leave as many stars as uh, as uh, doctrines of Calvinism is correct. Dang. Yeah. Hey, if you're a five-point Calvinist, leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Nah, you don't want to say that because then what if people are four-pointers? <laughs> I said, that's why if you're a five-pointer, then uh, you know. now, now it makes sense. Those four-pointers are putting the four stars. Uh, it makes sense now. We found the culprits. He denied limited <laughs> atonements. <laughs> and don't forget that we are part of the Society of Reformed Reform Podcasters. Mm-hmm. Find their links and other podcasts at reformpodcasts with an S dot com. And we're also part of Redeem Project Radio. So you could go ahead and go to that Reform Podcast. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Redeemed Project Radio. Right there. Dot com. <laughs> I, I had to speak in tongues first and then I had to translate myself. I'm one of the special that you have inter- both <laughs> gifts. <laughs> you interpreted yourself. Oh, man. That's like, funny. I was going to say, like the guy that baptized himself, the first Baptist. Hey, true fact, true fact. <laughs> the first Baptist, the first Baptist pastor, his name is John Smith, baptized himself. Fun fact of the day. Fun fact of the day. <laughs> Wait, what was his name? John Smith. The one from Pocahontas? <laughs> I didn't know he was Christian. Yeah. Well, come on, man. Oh, he was a pilgrim, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a Puritan. Oh. Come on, man. We, we've, been, we've been reading our church history, so we know. So, yeah. so was Pocahontas then the first indigenous Christian? <laughs> I'm a... 
I'm gonna have to stop you before we get in trouble. <laughs> All right, let me head out. <laughs> <laughs> and just a disclaimer: in case you hear any background noise or music or people yelling, uh, my crazy family is having a barbecue on a Monday, so we just we're Mexican. We need an excuse to we barbecue. We Mexican. We Mexican. First day of school, let's let's light up the grill. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we survived the weekend. Let's do another grill. Amen. Hey, so so today, what are we on? Today, we're going to be talking about the essentials of the Christian faith. Ooh, what makes a Christian a Christian? So, yeah, so I guess maybe one of the first uh, questions, uh, I mean, as always, we, we usually do uh, lead off with questions and then sort of make our way through uh, the, the, the structure of our episodes with questions because I've... I feel like that's like one of the best ways to go through it because uh, it's almost like our thought process through the episode. Um, yeah. So so I guess one of the first questions then that we can begin to tackle is um, what makes something the essential of the faith? Right? So why essential? What makes something essential? Yeah. Because it's biblical. Because it's something that we find in scripture that is absolutely undeniable that you have to believe as a Christian. So, you know, Mormons call themselves Christians. Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Christians. Catholics call themselves, Roman Catholics call themselves Christians. So they all bear the label of being a Christian. But since why do we say that they're not Christian, right? It's not because we're, we're, we're like, oh, you know. There can only be one. Yeah, yeah, it's not like we're saying like, like, uh, we're the true church because no, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. All right, so don't quote me on this, but yeah, they're wrong because they don't believe in the essentials of the Christian faith. That's why they're wrong. So I think biblical background for what we call essential is undeniable. So why we believe the things are essential, we're gonna get to them right now, mm-hmm. is because they're rooted in Scripture and. They cannot be denied. If we deny any of these, uh, we're going to get five points right now. Um, if you deny any of these, you're, you're not a Christian. Plain and simple. Yeah, so so these essentials would be uh, first-tier doctrines that we should be able to at least agree on. Um, and, and if, yeah, like I said, if we disagree, then we don't just, um, I guess fall away to a different denomination within the Christian faith, we actually fall away from the Christian faith in itself Dang, all together. and what the Christian faith actually holds to and believes that is rooted in scripture. Yeah. So essentials, I would say that it's something that as you guys are saying, every Christian will not deny these doctrines, whether you're a Calvinist, non-denominational, uh, Baptist, uh, whatever other denominations are. All of, all of these denominations are going to agree on this uh, on these doctrines that they cannot deny because they're, they're grounded in Scripture. And as many denominations as there are, they're all going to agree on these on these doctrines. Mm-hmm. So, what are the essentials then? What, what what does one must have to believe in order to be a Christian? I, I think. Oh, were you asking me, or are you just, or are you going to continue? I could answer them if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say. The, the the main the the main main thing would be Christ crucified, the gospel, the gospel, 
Yeah, of course. That's one of the essentials. Of course, the death, mm-hmm. burial, and resurrection of Christ. Also, though, the virgin birth. Now, and this is not no no specific order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the gospel, death, uh, the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, the Trinity, and that Jesus is coming back. I think those are the five main points of Christianity that one must believe in order to call themselves a Christian. I say also scripture alone. If you ain't, if you ain't, if you ain't believing your Bible, you ain't a Christian. The infallibility, infallibility of scripture. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sola scriptura, you know. What was that? If you if you ain't what reading it or believing it? If you don't believe that it's an infallible God, yeah, if you ain't believing it, true, true. Just my my personal opinion. Yeah, well, of course you gotta believe that, <laughs> or else how are we gonna get well, the five essentials if you don't believe? Hey, hey, you! I don't know those uh, Ligonier uh, Ministry the surveys. How there's people uh, in the churches that don't even believe half of the Bible. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's fundamental right there that you yeah, have true. to believe what the Bible says. No, you have to believe that the Bible is. The word of God, the infallible word of God. It's inerrant. Um, yes. Without any error. Yeah. I'd say yes. No, yes, of course. No, I guess, well, there's six in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could always add, and, and, you know, to all these things, but I think the, fi- the five main points will be this one. Of course, we got to believe scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think. See, this is, this is why, because Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. I think they'll hold to the infallibility of scripture. I'm not. I'm not too certain on that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that they would, right? Probably. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm not too sure. I'm. I'm sure maybe someone that is listening to this episode may know, and maybe they could comment, message us. If you know for sure that Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses believe in the infallibility of scripture, send us a voicemail. Send us a message. Reformtalks.com or check in the description section. Below there's a button that says Leave a voicemail Click it Record it Send it to us And we'll air it Now back to our episode <laughs> So the, the first point that you mentioned um, Which was the gospel right mm-hmm. So so what about the gospel I, I think we talked about it a number of times Throughout various episodes So what is it about the gospel that That we have to hold to this Otherwise we would not be within the Christian faith I'm going to keep bringing this up because I think it's important. I'm going to keep on bringing up the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Roman Catholics because they all believe in the gospel, quote unquote, right? They all believe. A gospel, yeah. Yeah, in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Like uh, Roman Catholics will believe that. They're they're all going to believe that. But I think the difference is in in justification Mm -hmm. because... At, well, the application of the gospel so, Because what the Bible says Is that you believe and you're justified Right? No works No nothing Believe Faith in Christ Is what justifies you Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Um, Now They're gonna believe that But they add a plus sign to it Yes It's faith In the gospel Plus the sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Or Joseph Smith, he said, yeah, one is justified uh, after all that he can do. 
So he says, yes, you're 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 saved by faith. But after you've done all that, you can do. Mm-hmm. And Jehovah's Witnesses, um, I don't even know. They're, I think they're just on a whole different trip. But they're they're all uh, works based. They come knocking at your door for that very reason that they're trying to earn their salvation. So they don't really believe that it's faith alone in Christ. They're like, yeah, faith alone plus this and that. And this was Paul's uh, argument against the Galatians because the Judaizers, they came in, yes, faith in Christ, but you have to be circumcised too. So this is essentially what these other religions are saying, like, yes, faith in Christ plus this other thing. So what we're saying is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ alone is what saves you. What are you smirking at, dude? I just laughing because <laughs> you just brought back to my memory of Galatians, and and I could just imagine, you know, when the Judaizers, the the, the Judaizers came in and were adding circumcision back to it. I could just imagine, like maybe someone did do it in fear of, oh, of not being part, and then hit, suck, and then dude. and then like a day or two later, they received the letter from Paul <laughs> saying that no, you don't need to be circumcised, and the guy just like looking at the guys like, <laughs> <laughs> like bro, you just told me I had. <laughs> that would suck, dude. Oh man. Uh, oh, very painful. That would. Oh man. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail us there. <laughs> I was like, you're thinking about that while he's talking about justification by faith alone? <laughs> well, no. When he mentioned Galatians and then the circumcision, it just reminded me of that thought that I had oh, before. Oh, man. That sucks. All that, that. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that that was the case. Probably. <laughs> I would not doubt it. Yeah. Uh, but see, that's where bad theology hurts people. Literally. Physically. <laughs> Mainly the men. <laughs> oh, man. So... So yeah, so the gospel, um, yeah, just like how you mentioned, they have a type of gospel, but our gospel, how you mentioned, is unique in the sense of the justification. Because really, in reality, that's where our, or at least the, the faith really begins, is that justification, which began with Christ, right? When he justified us um, through his life. And, and, and so... You know, bringing it back, like I already mentioned about like how Mormons add. I remember a conversation with uh, that third or fourth wave of Mormons that, that contacts us every time they get the new missionaries out here. Dude, I'm still <clears> receiving <throat> text messages from them every day about the scripture of the day. Yeah. And I don't reply to them. Just, just I want to see how long they're going to keep they're going to keep it up. But I just remember a conversation with them and I, and I remember just asking them and trying to really drill in like, like what do I need to, to do or what do I need to believe to be saved? And they would say, right, the gospel and, and word for word, you know, we would we would talk about the gospel and they'd say, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I was done, I was like, all right, then I'm good, right? And then they'll go, well, but you need to be baptized by the priesthood. You need to be baptized by, um, you know, various people. And then then you have to go and do this. And, and then that's where they begin mm. to add their other things. I was like, but where is that? Like <laughs> sneaky little dudes. Um, but yeah, because the, the gospel in itself defeats any addition that you may add to it. It says that we are justified um, by faith. And it and I think it's yeah, in Ephesians 2, it goes on to say that it is by faith alone. Um, by the and, in, and this is a gift from God. It's not anything that we could muster in ourselves. Uh, 
Yeah, and and just with that alone, right? Just from the scripture in itself, it goes on to to point out that just by the faith in the gospel is what saves us, not faith in the uh, gospel plus something else. Yeah, or or even just faith in um, Christianity. Uh, there may be some that deceive themselves who haven't really fully. Um, heard or understood the gospel but yet they believe that this religion will save me without understanding what the gospel is or knowing what it is that's just a workspace yeah because we could say that there are Christians that do not believe that they're more works based in their understanding of the gospel yeah yeah so I guess what you're saying is that yeah they they can believe the gospel but they don't Act like they, they're acting like they got to earn their salvation, mm-hmm. which is a very subtle thing that happens a lot, actually. Well, yeah, we just did that episode on, on legalism. That yep. was the whole thing legalism what it was about. It's a hell of a drug. Remember that. Go back That's to that. Thing. But I mean, just all this talk, you know, we, we've been reading uh, us, uh, Justin, mine and me, we read the, the church history book and it just reminds me of the, of the, of the Reformation, all that took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the the Roman Catholics, because they got to a point where they were they were telling people to give them money because the Pope deserves you know money, and then Martin Luther just at one point was like, "This isn't right. It's not it's not right that you're telling these people that in the way of earning their salvation or in in a way of this that you have to give money to the Pope for his luxuries for his expenses." And uh, the Roman Catholics were taking advantage of the Church. That's when Martin Luther just one day. Wrote that those ninety five theses and then went to the to the church and then you know with that hammer and just nailed nailed the ninety five theses in, in the Roman Catholic Church, but it, it just reminds me just when he got he got caught up not got caught up but it was illuminated to him the the justification by faith alone that you don't need a a, a certain types of works because Christ did the work for you on the cross mm. that his righteousness was imputed to to, to us. And our sin was uh, imputed to, to him so that at the cross that he died for in place of the sinner. And so, I mean, that frees up, freezes, 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 frees up anybody that wouldn't be such a burden or wouldn't be such a, a, a workspace salvation, but that you are justified by faith alone and the just shall live by faith. So, the, so the gospel rightly applied is what actually separated the Protestant Church from the Roman Catholic Church is when that division came down as the actual gospel itself. Mm-hmm. When the gospel was was made real in Martin Luther's you know heart, that's when he said, "Nope, boom, can't do this no more. All this Roman Catholic you know doctrine, boom." But he didn't stop being Roman Catholic. Why? Because that's the only church I was around. <laughs> yeah. That was the beginning of the Protestant church. The Protestant movement is the Reformation. And then we still Christian churches rising rising up after that. And, and that's unfortunate that when people look at that, um, un, at that fact that Martin Luther didn't leave the Catholic church, um, I, I, I think maybe people need to be understanding too. Because at the same time, like Luther was, was more concerned of making sure the people understood that they can be justified by faith, not by works based and everything that the Roman Catholic church was teaching. And, and like you said, there was no cat, there was no Christian 
Protestant church separate from the Roman Catholic church. And so just, you know, a hundred years before that, um, or not a hundred years, but sometime before um, that taking place in Germany, there was a, a small reformation that was taking place in Spain um, where they, it was the same thing. They, um, they were enlightened to the scriptures that is by faith and not by works. And, but, but that one wasn't as notable because um, I wouldn't say they failed, but um, they got shut down real quick. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I guess the goal was always to correct a wrong and not begin anew, if that makes sense to try to bring the church back to a correct and more orthodox understanding of the scriptures instead of separating themselves away from the body in itself because they were still part of the Catholic church, Catholic universal. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So faith in the gospel alone is one of the essentials of the Christian faith Mm -hmm. without, without, Affirming that salvation is by grace through faith alone, apart from works in the law, you cannot be a Christian. If you say yes, faith in the gospel plus this other thing, you're excluded. You're adding works to the salvation, and the Bible denies that works-based salvation. So the next one, the virgin birth. Now, well, what you guys say, Victor? No, I was just smiling because I'm like. I don't know, it's just this, this whole concept of the virgin birth that it's not really a... I mean, this is one of the things I don't like about non-denominational churches. They don't teach you proper theology. They don't teach you uh, the, the biblical doctrines of the virgin birth. The virgin birth is so uh, so essential that it ties into to our salvation. Without the virgin birth, there, there is no salvation for us. If there was no virgin birth, we could then... I guess rightly assume that Pelagian, Pelagius was on the right track. Mm, elaborate. Because uh, Pelagius, um, for those who don't know, within the fourth century, him, well, he he began to teach the doctrine that uh, we are all born good without sin, and if we keep ourselves from sin, we can enter. So, so the logical reasoning of this would be that that if because we are born good without sin, that if we maintain our goodness and and abstaining from sin, we can um, by that reasoning enter heaven without um, without sinning and enter heaven without the work of Christ. Um, and then on top of that, his also his within his also his, his teaching. It was that once man or, or woman, you know, first sin, then then they would have been, um, then they would have been made a sinner, and therefore would be in need of the work of Christ, the forgiveness of sin, and then from there. But but Pelagius was more of a works based. It, it wasn't justified by faith in his idea or understanding. Um, it was of merit. Yeah, that's the thing. It's essentials of the Christian faith. You are. Well, in regards to the virgin birth, without it, it's like saying that there's no need for Christ if you're good and don't and don't and don't uh, know that you're a sinner. Then there's no need for Christ. 
Yeah. It's 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 a uh, it's pre pre Calvinist and uh and Arminian. Augustine and uh, Pelagius. Basically that uh that Pelagius if you're good, I mean you're you're naturally born good, which as the Bible uh, denies that that even Paul says that there's no one good, not even one. No one is righteous before God. So acknowledging if, if I mean, let's just take a take a, a little detour, if you will, that if we're saying that the virgin birth is not essential then we're basically saying that we're good and we don't need need a savior. We don't need Christ. And you're in de- you're denying the Christian faith, which is uh, basically saying that we are we are born sinners. I mean, I, I have other uh, P- Pentecostal uh, uh, brothers and sisters, and even they can acknowledge, yes, we are natural born sinners. I mean, we like to say that until we put a label on it, we're, we're totally depraved. Like, well, I don't believe that. I just believe that we're, we're sinners. It's like, no, I mean, that's, I mean, apart from that, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, if, if we take away the virgin birth and, and if we want to try to, like how I mentioned, how, how it sort of falls in line towards uh, Pelagius, is that the assumption is that then when Christ came, he was actually not God but instead ascended to uh, a type of uh, state of God. That makes sense. Yeah, that's... I'll, you take I'll away, go with that, yeah. Because when you take away the virgin birth, you're taking away his deity. Yeah, you're talking about the very nature of who Jesus Christ is. And, and by taking away his virgin birth, you, you not only make God out to be a liar, because if he wasn't a... Vir- if, if Mary wasn't a virgin at the conception of Christ... Then you're. Then we're saying that the scriptures aren't fully uh, factual or true because then, how else was Jesus conceived, or how else would Jesus have came if it wasn't a virgin birth? Then maybe it was Joseph from the beginning, and, and they were, and he was born out of wedlock. Um, and then even then, then then the assumption then would be that well then okay if if Christ wasn't born from a virgin birth, then that would make him fully man, and that see Christ is the better example of all of humanity that if we follow in steps of Christ we too can receive eternity if we are perfect like him but that's unattainable for us because we weren't born of any virgin birth other than Christ he was the only one yeah so this will fall if you deny the virgin birth you're gonna be very you're gonna have to you're dipping your toe in the Nestorian, what is called the Nestorian heresy, where this dude Nestorius he, then he separated the two natures of Christ. Mm-hmm. So he says, you know, yeah, Jesus, he he didn't deny his deity. Like, yeah, he he was he was God, but he wasn't God all the time. He, so he, he believed that it was fifty fifty. Yeah, right? he believed it was fifty fifty. So he was half. He he was a a man who attained. Godhood, and that's what you're dipping your toe in when you deny the the virgin birth. Now, given that people actually don't know that they're falling into heresy, that's why it's important to go back to church history so that we can put labels on these heretical teachings that people don't know that they're falling into. Mm-hmm. So, but so the virgin birth is essential because where you, where you're the only conclusion is saying that Jesus had a sinful nature. Since he was born of two parents, you know, a mom and a dad, then mm-hmm. 
the sinful nature. He would have attained the, the sinful nature. But since he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and Mary was more of the vessel through which he was going to be born, he was, yes, he was man, but he didn't have the sinful nature from Adam. He was the Holy the Holy Spirit. Um, what did I just say? Conceived. Conceived, yeah. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. through, uh, you know, Mary, who was a virgin at the time. So she was pure. That's the big thing right there. That, that she was, she, you know, was with a man. She, she was, was virgin. Yeah, she was a virgin. So she was pure. So mm-hmm. through that, you know, Jesus was born. And that has, you know, that's how we can say that Jesus fully God and fully man. Or the, how the, the Nicene Creed says, uh, very God of very God. Mm-hmm. And so to deny that, you're denying essentially the deity of Christ. So you're, so you're saying he wasn't a man in, in right relationship with the father? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know. Who's, who says that? Um, Todd White. Todd White. Was it Todd White? Hey, that fool is a as an historian. Like, if you want to put a, a heretical label on that dude, he's an historian. Look at what it is. An historian heresy. That's what Todd White is. That's what Bill Johnson is. That's what and Copeland are. They're, they fall into the historian heresy. And that's why it's important. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have to do a episode on church history and just talk about you know all the heresies that ro- rose up, how the church responded, and why we come to these conclusions as as these things that we're talking about being essential. Because all these things, all these doctrines, the early church they fought for these things, they died for these things, they stood on on these things because there were heretics like Pelagius and Nestorius and all these dudes that coming up and Arian and all these kind of things that are saying things that have to deal with who Jesus Christ is. And so they had followers and these heresies have, dang, they have survived this whole time because people are still being, being deceived. But that's why the church came up with historic confessions and creeds to battle those heresies. So we can say, no, this is the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Just like the Apostles' Creed. That thing came out because the church was establishing this is what Christian orthodoxy looks like. So the yeah. virgin birth being one of them. And and and, the, and you know the virgin birth speaking on the deity of Christ is and that's even before we even get to the Trinity. Right? Because even within the Trinity, you know, within the first church, first centuries of the church, there was the battle or the fight for the deity of Christ to establish that as an orthodox essential doctrine that Christians must believe. Um, and, and so, yeah, so now getting into the Trinity, right? That was one of the points you mentioned. Yeah. So the father, son, Holy spirit, um, we believe that God is one and three in, um, that, that guy? one being three in essence. Uh, no, no, no. Three, sorry, three no, sorry, sorry. No, I got he, my terms. He, so we believe in God who eternally exists in one being with three persons. Three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, but one in essence. So he is uh, one being. That's the thing that we got to... People don't got to trip on because I know there's anti-Trinitarians that are like... What you believe in three gods? No, just we say persons. We're not talking about, mm-hmm. you know, like how we see people. There's uh, 
there's definitely different functions that the father has that the son has and the spirit has and they are distinct in scripture mm-hmm. so this is essential because scripture makes a distinction scripture makes a distinction between father son and holy spirit and they never um mix their roles but they always even paul when he opens up his letters he goes you know grace and peace from god the father and his son jesus christ you know in fellowship with the holy spirit yeah you know? we talked about this on episode whatever with uh uh, brother Paul, yes, with the brother trying God, with the brother Paul, not the Paul who wrote the letters, but the Paul, <laughs> our brother. Uh, by the grace of God, uh, Paul resurrected from the dead in the old, te- or I'm sorry, in the New Testament, from the New Testament, and he was able to join us on our episode. So if you want to go ahead and check that episode <laughs> out, we go more in depth on the Trinity and why it is essential to the faith. Um, but I guess in in a quick summation. It is essential because if you believe that it is just the Father and Son, um, you're denying the, the deity of the Holy Spirit. If you believe that it is just um, the Father and the Son was uh, some type of second God, um, I believe that's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, right? Or was it Mormons? I think it's Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, you're denying the deity of... I mean, not even the deity, you're denying the oneness of God, not 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 to be confused. Sorry, let me wait, reword myself. Wait, wait. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. Uh, you're denying the the unity that there is within there the Trinity. Uh, yeah, I have to rethink some of my words. No, right no, now. no. Yeah, because no, no, I get it. Because sometimes, yeah, of course, we can use language that you know that kind of is misleading to us because. You know, that's why it's important to get into doctrines, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that we can have the right lingo to express exactly what it is that we believe, you know? I mean, you're going to find it pretty hard to back up one the theology through scripture because there's many. I mean, I know we've already talked about this, but I mean, just to voice it out. I mean, even in John 1, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And, and the word was God, you know, just like there's just describing two two persons right there. Uh, Jesus baptism, you see Jesus, you see the Holy Spirit and you see the father all in one setting. So it wasn't Jesus transformed into the father. Then he goes into the son. Then he goes into the Holy Spirit. That's called modalism right there. That that Jesus is, is changing modes at one time. And uh, that's uh, I think he, people, people got burned for that back in the day no um, i think i killed not burned but i mean i'm, I'm not too sure but it definitely it was a hot topic and get, also man like also the word trinity we realize that it's not in the bible, the bible. right we were, that's what no oh it's not in the bible <laughs> <laughs> i apologize <laughs> Uh, but it is, it is a biblical concept mm-hmm. And so Tertullian was an early church father Who gave the name Trinity Who was the first one to use that And we've been using it ever since You know what I mean I think what's more important here Is that you, you ascribe to the doctrine Of the Trinity If you don't want to label yourself a Trinitarian That's cool I mean there's, there's people that come from the apostolic church Who you know Usually well, they're oneness, right? But there's people within that camp 
who actually do hold to an orthodox view of the Trinity, but they're not con- they're not going to call themselves Trinitarians. So that's also one thing that we gotta we gotta be aware of. Like, yeah, okay, don't if you don't want to ascribe to that name, whatever. But as long as you believe in what the doctrine says, that, yeah, that- there's one being three persons, one in essence. And the fact that each person's they have the role, yeah, right. So the gospel and there's deity within each yeah. person's. So the, the the gospel is a trinitarian format. So we have the Father who elects, the Son who pays for the sin, and the Holy Spirit who regenerates. So the Holy Spirit did not die on the cross. The Father does not mm-hmm. regenerate us. Everybody has their role. It's perfect. It's divine. Father elects. Son pays for their sin. The Holy Spirit regenerates them. Trinitarian work. Salvation is a it's a Trinitarian work. Mm-hmm. Well, well, even currently, Jesus Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is in us. It's not that that Jesus is in us; it's the Holy Spirit that is in us. And Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, currently interceding on behalf of the saints. Yeah, so we have to be. Uh, be able to distinguish the roles within the Trinity. Yeah. And even from Jesus' own words, he says that his helper, or he will send a helper, and and that is the helper that is with us today. Um, it's not Christ in us, it's the Holy Spirit that has that now dwells within our hearts. Yeah, so the main thing also is that when it comes to these oneness dudes, is that they'll deny the deity of the Holy Spirit. That's the main thing. They're more of like of a Jehovah's Witness kind of kind of side where it's just a force, you know. This is the way. Wait, wrong button. Remember, that's what they truly believe that the the Holy Spirit's a force, and that you know it's not a it's not a it's not mm-hmm. a person it's not actively you know conscious. But we see this in Scripture where where uh, when Ananias and Sapphira where they they lie. And, and they got struck down dead and peter says you have lied to the holy spirit like when we see this when jesus when he says the helper will come the comforter and he will remind you of all things he will do this work in you is jesus refers to the holy spirit as a he as a person Mm -hmm. that's 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 where we get the concept of personhood because we see that the holy spirit is uh active and alive and conscious and and even what's the unforgivable sin blasphemy of the holy spirit like it's to that extent yeah so i mean i mean there there's more that that could be said within that but just the simple fact that that was raised by christ as something that you know is unforgivable yeah so so far, we have already established the gospel as being um, essential. The virgin birth, the Trinity, and, and the fourth and the fourth point, the deity of Christ. Deity of Christ. Uh, I think that's established within the Trinity, right? Yeah, but see, this is the thing that people will believe in the deity of Christ, but will deny the Trinity. So that's why it's a different point altogether. Okay. Because they could be like, yeah, Jesus is God, Jesus is God. Well, Jesus is the Father, so he is God. So they're denying the Trinity, but they have a wrong, they're misled in 
and how that actually plays out. Got it. Right? So the deity of Christ is essential because the Son eternally existed alongside with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So it's the second person of the Trinity who came down to this earth and was incarnated into flesh. That's why it's so important. That's why, you know, and it does kind of all these, you know, these points that we've been talking about do interlink. That's why if you deny one, you're going to have to deny all of them. You can't be orthodox because one backs up the other. Yeah. And if you notice too, everything, even these essentials, they all wrap around Christ. Yeah. It was always about Christ. And and we'll get into that later in the episode. Um, Yeah. So um, Mormons... Although lately I've, I've been hearing different from Mormons that they're, they're actually so by lip, right? They'll say, "Yeah, yeah, Jesus is God," but that's how. You, that, then later, that's how you said. They're mm. like, "Yeah, but even in their title, they want to get rid of the whole Mormon title." Yeah, they don't want to call in it itself. Mormon. They want to be known as Latter Day Saints yeah. instead. Yeah. Yeah, you're still a Mormon. <laughs> Doesn't matter you, what title you change. Just kidding. So, so. They'll still hold to to the teaching of that Jesus and Satan are brothers. So just by holding to that, they're denying the deity of Christ. Because in Colossians chapter 1, I believe, it says that Jesus was present at creation. All things were created by him and for him and through him. Mm-hmm. So if all things were created by Jesus, then he must have created Satan also. It's not his brother this creation so once they say that you know they're brothers they're denying the deed of christ in that so even within that context uh even currently they're they're saying that it's a battle between jesus and satan all, yeah. all the time but it's like no we already know that because jesus christ is lord because he is deity he's always been he, he's, he's always been, been victorious been victorious I mean, that scripture that you're referring to, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16, and uh, I think through, through 18, he's, uh, Paul's making the emphasis that Christ is Lord. He is, he has, he's in his own lane. He's not in the category. He's, he has his own category, that he is the head of the body, that he is uh, preeminent. In other words, he's first place. He's first of everything. And so we already know that Jesus wins at the end, and it still wins right now. Because he is Lord, he to him be the glory, to him alone, and so there is no no battle between Jesus and Satan, and all you know Satan has the upper hand right now, but but we're pro- proclaiming uh, victory through Christ, and no, we already have victory. Share this post, <laughs> share this share this post, or or you won't get make it to heaven or whatever. <laughs> like like if if you if you care about Jesus, share if you're for Satan or whatever or whatever, but. No, I mean, Christ is Lord, which means he reigns and he will always reign to him be the glory to him alone. Yeah. And and even in that statement, right, of Jesus and Satan sort of being the brothers, not only are you um, degrading and bringing lower Christ, but you're also lifting up higher Satan. You're saying that they are equal um, when that's not even the fact. Yeah. Satan has and will always be under the feet of Christ. And even then, um, yeah, so so like how you guys mentioned, 
there is yeah Christ has been and 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 always will be God. He has always had his nature since the beginning. The 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 battle and the argument for the deity of Christ was always um, answered and laid out within Scripture, because then we see points during uh, Christ's ministry when on earth where he even referred and and John chapter five going on to say that you think the scriptures speak about you but in reality they speak about me and then even then um when he was talking to, to his disciples after he resurrected he goes on to say that the scriptures pointed to him and that they were always about him um and yeah going back to john one that he that nothing was created without without christ um there, there's just a lot of things that we could point out uh you know as far as like even the the pre-incarnate um, figure of Christ in the Old Testament as him being there and things like that but but in reality um, as we as we come back to, to this on the essentials um, the, the deity of Christ is one of the main um, yeah like I said like denying this you're really denying every other aspect of what is essential to the Christian faith yeah. because Jehovah's Witnesses will say that he's the Archangel Michael mm-hmm. Mormons he's the brother of Jesus, uh, Muslims will say that he's just a um, a prophet. Yeah. So everyone has an yeah. idea of Christ, but it's it's it, what matters most is what they believe about him. Yeah. Even Jesus asked his disciples that same question. You know who who do you think I am? They go and say, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this and that. And he goes and asks, well, who do you say that I am? And, and you know that's where Peter makes his profound statement, right? He goes on to say that you are the Son of God, that you were the Messiah. You know all these things, right? But he he says those key words that flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but it was it was the Holy Spirit, it was the Spirit of God that has revealed these things. And you know I'm just alluding to something later, but yeah. And that's why Peter is the first pope. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, what the. <laughs> No, I was going to say that um, denying the deity of Christ here, you're denying the proof of the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because even uh, Jesus said, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to, to, to bring it back up again. So, you know, just just remind me if you guys were talking because it does really come, come around. So denying the deity of Christ, you're denying the resurrection. Therefore, you're denying salvation. You're still in your sins. Who's going to save you now? Yeah, that's I mean, going to lead into the next point. But I want to bring up something real quick. So Roman Catholics, they're actually affirming that they're from the virgin birth. They are from the Trinity. They're from the deity of Christ. So what would separate them from being Christians then? Morale, I would. Don't look like I zoned out, would you say? (laughs) So Roman Catholics would ascribe to the gospel mm-hmm. you know to the trinity to the virgin birth and to the deity of christ yeah so what would separate them from being christians to protestant christians yeah to christianity why why would we consider why wouldn't we consider them to be christian orthodox because of the simple fact that they add mm. they may have the essential but they add to the essential 
Um, this is a pop quiz. See if you guys are awake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I confess I zoned out. I know. Dude. I mean, the, 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 I mean, during that Reformation is what sparked the the solas, the five solas. Yeah. That it is alone in each of these categories, and the specific reason was because the Catholic Church, over time, through subtle actions and teachings, have added to the essentials of of what of and how they could be saved, and even some non-subtle things, very things that are not even in Scripture at all. <laughs> Um, such as purgatory and other things but but that's what separates us I mean if there's any faith that is very close to us it would be the Roman Catholic but just for the simple fact that they add to it is what very much yeah. distinguish us from them because even by adding you're taken away really in, in reality it may seem on, on, on paper it's adding but in reality to the faith you're actually taken away because you're actually taking away the work of Christ. You're taking away from mm-hmm. um, everything that Christ has already accomplished and said was done. Yeah. That's good. So the next one would be the return of Christ. Jesus is coming back. Now, this is this is an essential because of what you just said, Victor. Because it has to do with the resurrection denying that Jesus is coming back is essentially denying the resurrection of the body because how you just said and was it first Corinthians where it talks about you know the resurrection if the resurrection is not true then you're still in sin yep. and you have not been born again and we're lost we're eternally eternally lost mm-hmm. but since the fact that the resurrection is true we will be resurrected Jesus is coming back because he is resurrected and he is risen and he is coming back he made that he made that short when he says I go prepare prepare a place for you and if I go prepare a place I will return and receive you to myself and in when in next in book of Acts when he ascended he also reminded them hey I'll be back it's not the end so denying the return of Jesus Christ, you're denying the resurrection of the body. Yeah, uh, because by denying that, you're denying the the part of Christianity where we too would have resurrection of life. Exactly, you're denying the Christian hope. Yeah, so you're you're giving people a solution for their sin problem, but you're leaving them with no hope. Yep, you're giving them a pope. I'm just like, I just want to write. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, this is the very reason why Paul goes on to say, if, if that never happened, we are to be the most pitied of all. Yeah. Because in, like how you mentioned, on the surf, I mean, not on the surface, but in reality, we would be Christians that are left with no hope. Yeah. We would just have um, an assurance that sins have been forgiven, but we don't have any, re- any hope of the life after. Yeah. So it, it's, this will fall into annihilation. Annihilationism. Yes, that right. One. Where I we die and it's nothing. Yeah, and there's nothing afterwards. Nah. The return of Jesus Christ gives us hope because we know we will be resurrected with new bodies, and there is an eternal life after this. So if Jesus is not coming back, then we have no hope in the afterlife. 
I guess it really changes the way that you think about everything. Yeah. The way that you live your life, the way yeah. that you go about your day, the way that uh, that you're just uh, thinking thinking all these things too. Because if you're not really looking forward to the coming of Christ, then you're, you're not really looking. You're not really living actually. Yeah. yeah. There's no there's no point of evangelism if, if no one's coming back. There's no point of church if it's mm-hmm. just gonna be a routine and oh, I'm just, it's just another Sunday. Oh, it's just another. There's no, there's no, no there's no, there's no point anything. of anything. There's no point of living because what, what, what do nothing. I have to look forward to? Yeah. If Christ is not coming back, then I'm dead. And there's and as even Paul says, let's go eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Yeah, dude. Like, let's just if, live our lives if, if that's the case. If Jesus is not coming back, then it destroys the rest of of Christianity. Because what do we have to be saved from? Jesus is not coming back. It it, it, it almost then falls into a type of of Christian atheism. Yeah. Dang, Christian atheism. Whereas, like, you may hold to a Christ, you may hold to Christ and God and all these things, but the fact that there is no glorification, no resurrection, um, everything ends the day you die, and there's nothing after, and, you know, just just like in atheism, there's nothing that happens afterwards, so just be good to be good. (laughs) Be good for good sake. (laughs) Yeah. In in the sense, or, yeah. Dang. And yeah, I mean, if if you really try to stump and think about that, like it really does leave you with no hope, and really with no means to do anything. Yeah, because there is no consequence then. If 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 there is no resurrection after, we're basically just being saved, and the only ones that will have some type of life after would be the ones in hell. Look, look, look! Just just an idea popped in my head, right? So these are the essentials that we're talking about. So. Election would be something that we would say it's secondary, right? Not really, not really like essential, like election. But yet, yet again, yeah, it these be, essentials it be, will shape the way that you even look at election. Yeah, what, would, what, 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 no, no, like like I said, it is secondary in the sense of like whether you affirm or not the Calvinist doctrine. You that doesn't take away from uh, from I guess salvation. That yeah. Sense. Yeah, and so the thought that I was go- going with is that because people who are who are not Calvinists or don't read their Bibles, they have a problem with election. They have a problem. Well, why does God get to choose this and choose that? And it's like, wait a minute. I, I always said it because I, I like how John P- Piper said, election is for the believers so that they can be assured of their salvation. Don't go on preaching election, election, election as a gospel. Preach Jesus Christ crucified, uh, buried, and resurrected believe the gospel mm-hmm. so it's even shaping the way that you even preach the word i mean if because if, man this is just that ties into a whole different thing once you put all these essentials together yeah. it, it's even changing the way that that you're viewing election because if you're preaching with this with this in your mind like oh god only chooses and and, and oh this is essential that that election and what if this person's not saved and what if this like bro preach the gospel let Christ do the saving. You just be an instrument for the Lord and go and preach the gospel. Because if you believe that Jesus is coming back, there's people going to hell. Go and preach the gospel. When you're behind the pulpit, preach the gospel. Make sure that people understand this, that this is the way that we get saved is through the gospel, through the preaching of the word, through the fellowship of the brothers. If Jesus is coming back, I need to help my brothers to get back up. I need to help them when they're down. I need to pray for my brothers. I need to do something because Jesus is coming back and I want to be make sure that my family, my friends, my loved ones are there. So what am I going to do? That's going to shape the way I evangelize. That's going to change the way I preach the word of God. 
God that's going to change the way that I view life in general with these essentials. I just had to voice that out. Alleluia. Alleluia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, yeah, like how we mentioned, like these, these are all different parts and aspects of in the gospel. Because uh, with this, we, we could, these, these are things that we can continue to preach and, and we shouldn't be divided as Christians. Now, like how you mentioned, right? Second tier, you know, the second tier, third tier, whatever, you know, type of doctrines that, that sort of lessen in its importance or, or, or how crucial they are that, that we are to hold to certain things. But this being the very, the main thing that, you know, straying from these doctrines, you're really straying from the Christian faith. Uh, and so, oh, what were you gonna say? No, yeah, but this is this is uh, Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians. First, first Thessalonians. He's encouraging them throughout the whole book because they're being persecuted, and some have died. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, um, don't weep as the world weeps, you know, because you know your brother or sister passed away. He actually encourages them through the resurrection he encourages them that there is an afterlife and there is justice that's the whole concept also too that we forget when it comes to the return of christ Mm -hmm. is yes it's a hope for the christian to know that we're going to be with him and those who die in christ um they're going to be with him but also he's coming back in judgment to make things right to to pass judgment on evildoers so those who died in persecution, they have an eternal rest waiting for them. But the persecutors have an eternity in hell. And Paul makes a big emphasis in that in the second book of Thessalonians, where he says these people who are persecuting, they're going to have their day. And I, I think in the ESV, it also capitalizes the word day. It says the day of the Lord is coming. It's an event. It's something that's going to happen that where 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 Jesus is going to give his reward to his elect mm-hmm. and he's going to give judgment, hell, fire to those who have denied him. So there's justice to every wrong and there's mercy to everybody who has received him as Lord. So it's a it's a it's a big deal. It's a, it's a real big deal. Yeah. And and I think in... Um, uh, in I'm trying to figure out the scripture. Um, yeah, in Luke 18, verses 6 to 7, Christ goes on to say that hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not God give justice to his elect. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, with that promise of the return of Christ, not not only is the promise for the church, but it's also a promise for judgment. Yeah, those who have left, not left, those who have been brought till the end of time when Christ return, and have condemnation still over them, there will be judgment, and those whose condemnation has been removed and covered instead by the blood of Christ they will have eternity 
in in heaven with Christ. And and even Paul goes on to say that our prize isn't heaven, our prize is Christ. That is our hope. And and that was a common encouragement Paul would continue to write in, in the epistles to the churches because they were facing persecution. They were facing all kinds of things. And what other hope is there than Christ? Yep. Um, so, so, so yeah, so with these essentials, right, these are, these are things that we can say and, 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 you know, in the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed goes on to, to pretty much lay out these, these essentials. Yep. Um, but another question would be then, have these essentials always been essential through all of church history or all of biblical history, if I may say? Meaning from the beginning where Genesis begins till the present day today. So is the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, the virgin birth, the trinity, the deity, the return of Christ. Is this what the Old Testament saints believed also? Yes. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm not answering your question as a yes. I'm saying yes, that's what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) So, right, because we're talking about the essentials of the faith. But what was essential for those before Christ? I mean, looking at the Old Testament, everything was always foreshadowed. But it was always, I mean, looking at it right now, it was always faith in the one that was to come. Yeah. It was always having faith in what God has promised. It was yep. always about covenant theology. So you- looking to the promises of God, that we are in covenant with him. But also, I may add. Also, but also, um, there, like how you said, you know, they were foreshadowed, but there was, like, what was it in, in Isaiah nine six, I believe, where it says, "Behold, a virgin shall give birth." The prophets, yeah, yeah, the prophets, yeah. So the virgin birth was there. It might not have been fully understood, but it was mentioned. And so even, um, I forget where exactly, but I think in Genesis chapter one, where it talks about, you know, creation says the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And even I think whatever word they used to describe God Mm -hmm. was a plural noun. So in the original language, there was the name of God. I don't, I forget exactly what, but it was a plural. It was plural. So you do have these things in the Old Testament. So, but I would say that the full revelation of it didn't come mm-hmm. until Jesus, Jesus came. Yeah. So, so, so there was a progressive revelation. Yeah. That was taking place from Genesis till. Christ came onto the scene. Yeah, so the full revelation came when Jesus came to make the Father known. And once the gospel was completed, then these became essential to establishing the Christian church. The the church that, that Jesus was talking about, how you mentioned earlier. Now on this confession, I will build my church. So he was building his church the New Testament church through gospel proclamation and within that these essentials came about so once the gospel was established 
and spread through you know the middle east these are the things that we as christians would have to hold to in order to be called christians mm-hmm. yeah and and like i mentioned before it was always centered around christ and and victor you you mentioned this the essentials before christ was always of the promise of christ coming it was always of the seed coming that was uh, prophesied and foretold by god in genesis 3:15 of the seed that would crush the head of the serpent and that was always the, the that was the very basic very first established gospel that progressively became to the gospel that we have today but that was always the promise and by believing in that promise um that would be the essential of of all the old figures in the old testament for israel and as god continued to remind them and assure them of this promise that was to come through abraham uh moses and david and and every and every other figure that we see and even for gentiles because we know that the promise was was always meant to be handed to the gentiles as well there there are um portions where even um who was it gentiles were made known of god the god of israel and they were aware of certain promises that were promised to Israel. Um, I, I think, if anything, Gentiles knew more about all the different gods than we do because they were searching through different gods to figure out which one they wanted to serve to to uh, please or arouse whatever need they had or whatever it may be. They had to go down, you know, the, the index of which gods did what, so that way they could satisfy some god to be able to get what they needed or or wanted. Um, but yeah, so 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 even then, even some Gentiles knew of the promise that was to come. One of the, um, so but ultimately, it was always the Holy Spirit's work of enlightening the mind of of men and women to these truths. So one of the scriptures we referred to earlier in uh, Matthew, I'm, I'm bad at always picking out the exact scriptures. That's but, why we say Matthew chapter whatever. <laughs> Continue, <laughs> but but yeah, when when, when uh, Peter goes on to make to make that claim that you were the Son of the Living God, you were the Christ, and Jesus says these words that it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed it, but it was the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit that revealed it. So so even through Old Testament, this is the way that these promises were revealed, uh, not revealed, but but that. Um, so so if, I can't say revealed because it was a revelation. It was yeah. A okay. So so yeah, it was, it was revealed to to various people during that time, um, and and even then, the Holy Spirit was still active in its in the Holy Spirit's role within the Godhead, even in Old mm-hmm. Testament. It was always the Holy Spirit applying to the people, um, and and so in Old Testament, it was always the Holy Spirit's work to enlighten. To, to you know uh, regenerate um, but it was always for well for the Old Testament it was always for the coming Christ whereas today we look back towards Christ as he has already came and now the return of Christ um, and then another portion if I may add of how when Jesus speaking to the Pharisees goes on to say that 
you know, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. So, you know, through uh, um, in Hebrews in the Hall of Faith, right, we read of those who had you know, various um, types of faith. You know, they just they demonstrated faith, but nonetheless, they had faith in the one that was to come, the promise yeah. that was given by God. And that was always the bare minimum essential before the revelation, the full revelation of Christ came. Yep. Oh, I wasn't confusing. No, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, um, yeah, so we've been talking about lately, you know, about the church, different aspects of the church. Mm -hmm. And so this this is like a continuation of that. In order to be a Christian... An Orthodox Church, Orthodox. I guess. Yeah, you had to ascribe to these to these things. Uh, to say otherwise is to be outside of the camp of Christianity. That's why different religions rise up, and we call them different religions because they're different systems of beliefs altogether, because they're denying uh, essential Christian teaching. Yeah, and, and I think uh, our pastor, Reverend Chris, and the last time we, we met with him, he, 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 he helped us in, in uh, different understandings, but in, in one of the, in, I guess in regards to the essentials, right? When you swerve from the essentials of the faith, you're swerving away from Christianity in itself and you're into a whole different sect. Whereas when we differ on, like how you mentioned, Victor, you know, second tier doctrines or third tier, um, we may... Um, I guess lean towards a different denomination or different um, camp within Christianity, but we aren't straying from Christianity in itself. Yeah. So even today within the church, the universal church body, there is different denominations. Um, Baptist, Southern Baptist, Calvinist, um, non-denominational, um, Presbyterian, you know all, all these all these different ones, but holding to the essential faith will will continue to keep us as a universal body. It, it, it looks like Martin has something to say. I'm about to say this because <laughs> I hear I hear this saying a lot that Calvinism is a denomination. Calvinism is not a denomination; it's a system of belief. It's a it's a theological position. So you can't say oh different denominations, Calvinists and Baptists. No. Well, there's Calvinistic Baptists and there's regular other Baptists that yeah, don't so, subscribe to Calvinists. But they're not denominations. Calvinism. They're not denominations. I need to clear that. Clear the air. You know what I mean? So, so, so as so, we as we clear the air, what is a denomination? A so, denomination. If I make a correction, I meant to say Calvinistic Baptists versus the Southern Baptists. Because not not all Southern Baptists subscribe to Calvinism. Okay, I got the definition of denominations right here. So, denominations, they first arose actually in 1740. And they're opposite from sectarianism. So, sectarianism claims the authority of Christ for itself alone. Uh, They believe that they are the true body of Christ. All truths belong to it and no other religion. It's exclusive. Right, so denominations are inclusive. They're Christian groups that are called by a different name that belongs to a larger group, Mm -hmm. which is the church, to which all denominations belong. 
no denomination claims to represent the whole Church of Christ. Yep. So it's it's inclusive. So it's within. It's a subcategory within the larger church. They're not separating themselves from the church. They're saying we just ascribe to this kind of doctrine. So to these secondary or second tier yeah. types of doctrines. Yeah. So they're not necessarily so. unbiblical because um, every church that multiplies is creating a denomination. So Calvary Chapel is a denomination. You got Calvary Chapel, you know, West Grove or or Beachside or, you know, South Bay. They're, it's all Calvary Chapel, but they're different churches, church plants. But they're still under the sect of Christianity. Not sect, because sectarianism is a different belief altogether. They, they're exclusive. I, was, I wasn't saying sectarianism, I said sect. No. Meaning it in its in its group of Christianity, not outside of Christianity. Yeah, that's what the yeah, denomination that's what I mean. is. That's a denomination because when you say sect, it's 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 kind of separating. You're separating yourself from Christianity. You're saying we, us over here, have all the truth all together. So denominations wouldn't, wouldn't say that. Oh yeah, we're the exclusive church. No, they're saying we're part of the church. So so. What I'm saying is when, when you church plant and when, you know, Calvary Chapel multiplies churches or when, you know, Living Word or Victory Outreach or, you know, whatever church multiplies, they're creating their own denomination because they're ascribing all to the same teaching and they're all being funded through the same organization. So, so now I was going to say, so I guess this puts in perspective for and calls for maturity amongst believers and not believing that all oh, Pentecostal is the only way or all oh, yeah. non-denominations the only way that you know and if you're Calvinist and if you're this and if you're that this calls for maturity within unity within the body of Christ of course there's going to be denominations and I mean unfortunately it's, there's always going to be denominations because of those secondary I don't think it's unfortunate I, I think denominations are completely biblical I do I do think so why don't you be speaking tongues? So are you going to refer to the tribes? Yeah. Tribes. Where, where's the speaking in tongues at, bro? Well, that's why I said different <laughs> denominations. It's a different teaching, right? No, that's I was going to say, by you saying that it's biblical, I was going to say, are you referring to like the tribes and how there was different tribes of Israel? But they were all under Israel. I guess you can make that example, you know? Or the image of yeah. the, the body of Christ. You know, one denomination could be the whole arm. Well, that's not really talking about denominations. It's talking about different functions I know, I'm just, within the I'm just, people. I'm just going... You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just being a... Oh, well, yeah. I'll say this, and I don't think they're unbiblical. Yeah. I don't think so. So I was just saying this calls for maturity and not saying that, oh, you're not a Christian. You're you're from that side, and you're yeah, you're this from that. Say but, that yeah. We can't yeah. say that Baptists aren't Christians. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On baptism. Yeah. That, that there should be a unity within the body of Christ, mm -hmm. even though there's different yeah. denominations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that calls for maturity because once you're in that cage stage, doll, everybody's everybody's wrong. Every, everybody's everybody's got it wrong. Everybody's a heretic. Unless you're Calvinistic, <laughs> you aren't saved. So, <laughs> hey, there's foods like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's calls for maturity to understand that Baptists are our brothers. And 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 hopefully, you know? yeah, like I said, Baptist by maturity and hopefully Baptist by <laughs> by uh, a proper understanding of the essentials, we can see other brothers and sisters 
from different denominations as still part of the universal church. Exactly. As long as we hold to the essentials, essentials. Yes. of the Christian faith, then you good. And good, with that, dude. that should actually help us to, to be unified and actually work with other denominations. Not, not, I'm sorry, not with other denominations. We are. Yeah, no, I guess you could say the other denominations. No, no, I, mean, I mean, churches yeah. from other denominations, because I don't yeah. think that the, the heads of the denominations would work in that way. But I'm saying, like, with, within, within your county, within your local cities, now instead of it's just you or your church trying to take on the load of, you know, you know, everyone's trying to save the city, everyone's trying to do, you know, such and such things for the city and to bring Christ to the city. But now there's a, a now we can have something to point to as something to say that, hey, we can work together yeah. because we hold to the essentials of the same faith. Yeah. Though we differ in these areas, whatever it may be, we can still work together because we still have the same mission. Yeah. And and this is where I'm encouraged by by our pastors, Reverend Rudy and Reverend Chris, because they hold unity service uh, services services yeah. with with other churches from different denominations. Yep. Um, other things, but but nonetheless, they have the same mission, yeah. which is to preach the gospel to to lost um, and unsaved sinners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that's the whole thing. That's and especially in this time that we're living in. You know, everyone's going at it. That's why we did the first episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, as long as we hold to the essentials of the Christian faith, then you're good, my dude. I mean, we're feeding me. <laughs> you know what I mean, we're solid. We're firm. For everybody who doesn't know, I, be, I believe I explained this a couple of times. When I say feed me, it means firm. It means cool. It means tight. It means you're legit. So we can be feed me with other churches because we hold to the essentials mm-hmm. of, the, of the Christian faith. Calvinists, get out of the cage. You're no longer... You're no longer, no longer bound. bound. You're free. <laughs> You're free to go. You're free to, You're to free serve to... with your Pentecostal brother. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but we, we always make that distinction. If if a person does not believe these essentials, then that's where questions can actually be a, be arose or arisen, whatever the the perfect term would be for that. <laughs> but but then that's where we can actually uh, begin to question certain things and see what people actually believe. And whether or not they actually fall within the Christian camp. Yep. Amen. So don't forget to also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Because I forgot to mention that in the beginning. So if you've endured this long, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We're going to do more evangelism videos. We did a couple of them recently with brother Tony Yu right there in the city of Linwood. Tony Yu? Tony Yu. You are Tony. And uh, we're going (laughs) to... What? I, I am Tony. Hey, no, but yeah, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, we did two episodes, or we posted two episodes um, on evangelism with Tony Yu. And um, we're going to keep them coming. Give give it a, a thumbs up, like it, and subscribe because they're great. <laughs> like. Get it? Get it, get it, get it. Get it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, reformbrasa.com um yeah just gonna find us on apple on spotify all that fun stuff so this is reform brasa glorifying god through the edification of the saints grow as we grow latos later remember for 
Yeah. Uh-huh.